by the time retirement came around, I thought it would be traumatic. I was really apprehensive about it. But much to my surprise, it turned out far more pleasant than I expected. I'm better off now than I was when I was working, actually, I said, because we have social welfare. Uh, An attitudinal change, shall we say, uh, towards things that I thought had been important and suddenly became unimportant. I argued with my wife beforehand. I told her, look, I'm facing retirement in five years' time, in two years' time, or in a year's time. Do you not realise this is going to be traumatic? And I retired in 1977, on the 26th of August. Well, I've been very happy ever since. I was sorry to to leave my friends, but I didn't lose them all. Most of them I am in touch with. If you have a choice, I'd advise anybody to retire early in the summer, say April, May, June. Time is a problem, yeah, you'd like to have something to do, like, like, uh, now, if the missus wanted any messages to go here or there, will you go to, so, well, that'll put in the time for me. Well, of course, one of the biggest problems we come up against in the medical field after retirement is depression. And post-retirement depression... I firmly believe that I have worked out in my life that come retirement that a person shouldn't, shouldn't actually work in a retirement. You've worked all your life, something to look forward to. I hopefully tend to enjoy it. We'll fill a Provence bowl and pledge us deep, the memory of the far ones, and between the soothing pipes in heavy-lidded sleep, perhaps we'll dream the things that once had been. Tis only noon, and yet too soon to die, yet we are growing old, my heart and I. Many of the realities, the hopes, the dreams of retirement are resumed in that stanza from the Francis Ledwidge poem, Growing Old. For, blurred though the demarcation line between redundancy and retirement has become in the past decade of ruthless and frenetic automation, there is still an age factor in retirement. We are, after all, after the age of 50, vulnerable to a system that arbitrarily determines a man's or woman's life to be officially useless. We are all growing older, if not old. We are about to cross some kind of Rubicon. We are about to enter another country. For retirement, whether it be real or a euphemism for redundancy, is another country. Another country of the mind and heart and spirit. Now, one would not go on a journey, geographically speaking, to another country without making some preparations. One would not go without map, guidebook or compass. So why then, metaphorically speaking, would one not prepare for this important journey to the country of retirement? For the quality of time spent there will depend on how well prepared you come to it. Retirement can be a blessed boon or a tragic gift, depending on your attitude. And there is advice and help available. Hilary Shannon, Chief Executive, Retirement Planning Council of Ireland. 
The Retirement Planning Council is a voluntary body which was set up in 1976 uh, with the sole aim of helping people move from work a working life into a life of more leisure in retirement. Uh, because retirement is a major change in life, uh, people have to prepare for it. Uh, those who do prepare um, find that the, the whole area of retirement is much easier and in fact the sting is taken away from it. Uh, many who don't re- prepare for their retirement find it difficult. They find it difficult to cope with the change uh, and in fact it's almost like a bereavement. They mourn for the loss of their job. We would like to see retirement as the beginning of another phase of life, not as the end of something. Uh, retirement is one of the most, to my mind, one of the most enjoyable periods of life when the burdens of having to work, of going out to work, um, are, are done away with and you are now free to choose what you want to do with your life day in, day out. This is something new. You've never had a choice before. Uh, when you retire, you literally uh, have to de- decide every day what you want to do and this is where the change comes in. This is why people find it difficult to make the transition from being at work where everything is laid out to being in retirement where everything uh, is, is at your disposal. A major problem is the dramatic lowering of the age at which people are now retired, Stoke made redundant. Just a few years ago, when the pre-retirement courses started, most of the participants were aged about 65, the traditional age at which people retired. Today... We get people from anything from 45 to 50 up to to 65. uh, and uh, Many people have chosen... Uh, the earlier age because they say they've worked long enough and now they want to go off and do something for themselves but quite a lot of them uh, have been made redundant the difference between someone who retires early and someone who is made redundant is that uh, the person who retires early does it by choice the person who is made redundant has no choice in the matter and sometimes expects to work again Um, there is a blurring of age age is no longer Uh, Retirement age is no longer 65, it's anything from 50 up. And if a person is made redundant, they're under tremendous pressure socially sometimes to continue to work, even though there may be no work for them. And and this puts a tremendous burden on them. It it, it stretches their their faith in themselves, their self-image and their self-identity. Some retired people find great difficulty in structuring their time. I constantly talk to people whose question was how to kill the time. Harry retired 15 years ago, age 63. Our time is a problem, yeah, you'd like to have something to do, like... like uh, now, if the missus wanted any messages to go here or there, will you go to... So, well, that'll put in the time for me. Thoreau appreciated the sadness of this human dilemma when he wrote, as if one could kill time without injuring eternity. Harry describes his day. I usually get up about 8 o'clock... Go out, get the mirror, come back and read it, and then after the AMG on the crosswords, and when I'm finished reading the paper, then there's anything to be done. Like, I'm hopeless at doing homework or anything like that, but uh, any messages or that I'd go out and help if I couldn't. That's direction. Never do much in the house. On a sideboard in the room where we talked was a fine, well polished silver tea service. That's the only job I ever do. I cleaned them. I got them to the lads when I was leaving. Harry retired voluntarily 
after 49 years' service. I retired before my time, because when they were moving to tell I didn't want to go there. So I'd about 18 months to go, and I took it into my head that I'd go then. When you guess, after a few years, like, you don't even know what day of the week it is, because you've nothing to do, like, you know. Pension was very low that I got. I only got £10.33. And as I'm past 1977... I'm, what, what's this, 88, or 92. 92, that's 15 years out, and it's gone up £8 in that time, £18.33, so it's not a lot to have, like, you know, especially with the price to gaggle, the way it's gone up now, it's hard to get by. Harry's been to Lourdes five times since he retired. Then we were on the trip, to, we were in Rome, the time of the... Uh, the canonisation of Oliver Plunkett. We went to Rome and we were on the show that we were in Vienna and all around. Like, that was a great show for the Bell of Fartness. For others, retirement is not so traumatic, so unsettling. Sean is a retired senior civil servant. I had to think about retirement for 10 years beforehand. I was being reminded of it every day. Some of my colleagues were retiring. And by the time retirement came around, I thought it would be traumatic. I was really apprehensive about it. But much to my surprise, it turned out far more pleasant than I expected. Probably it's because of the hobbies. I've never analysed this completely, but probably because I had a few hobbies that I really liked. Photography, a bit of gardening, a bit of videography. And I wasn't any good at any of them, but I always enjoyed. I enjoyed making a mess of things and then trying to clear up the mess afterwards. Then I had the time. This was the important thing. I wasn't rushing at the weekend to try to get the garden done. I wasn't rushing at the weekend to get the photographs developed. And I had time to put them into some order. I had time to do a lot of things that I thought were I'd never realise. I can't honestly say that I was depressed afterwards. I thought I'd be. I argued with my wife beforehand. I told her, look, I'm facing retirement in five years' time, in two years' time, or in a year's time. Do you not realise this is going to be traumatic? It wasn't traumatic. Many men who retire worry about how their spouses will adjust to having a man about the house most of the day, every day. Fortunately for Sean, he and his wife were spared this trauma. When I was working, Noreen, my wife, was on her own all day long. And for that reason, she liked the idea of I being at home, even though we argued, we discussed various things. She had, fortunately, about 15 years ago, she had taken up painting. And we discussed my photographs as subjects for painting, All day long we were discussing things 
and she, I think, I think it was a change to her to find that there was somebody around the house constantly. Sean was adamant that retirement was for retirement. I did a few small jobs. I did some small consultancy jobs. And I gave a few lectures to the Institute of Chartered Accountants. But I found that that inhibited my... that it, 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 It interfered with my free time. A friend of mine said... The lowest op- occupation that man can have is to is to be working, and I'm inclined to agree with him. I enjoyed the bit of the the bit of work that I was doing, but there comes a time in everybody's life when you know you have to give up, and that's the time to stop and not to push yourself. Is it better to retire at one time of year than another? If you have a choice. I'd advise anybody retire early in the summer, say April, May, June. I retired on the 3rd of June. The summer was good. I was able to stay out in the garden. The thing, the part of retirement that I didn't like was the first winter, say October, well, November, December, January and February. I eventually did get used to it. I don't look forward now with apprehension to those months but I, do fi- I did find the first few winter months difficult. Mary and Rita are sisters, aged 84 and 74. They grew up in Dublin's inner city and worked all their lives in a large manufacturing company. Mary retired in 1970, Rita in 1977. Neither had ever married. They had lived together all their lives, so it was logical that they should continue to live together in their retirement. Mary? For 12 months before, I knew that I was, it was necessary for me to retire and it didn't come as any bolt out the blue for me. I wasn't worried about it, but I still felt that I could have gone for another few years. I had my health, thank God. And I, well, I felt that I could have done a few more years. When it came to my retirement, um, I was asked by the supervisor, um, was I, how did I feel about it? And I said, well, after all, I knew 12 months ago that I would have to retire. And I said, I prepared myself for that. And she said, how will you be fixed financially? I said, oh, I'm all right that way too, I said. As a matter of fact, I have great faith in Providence and Providence will provide. And Providence did provide. Providence aided by the sisters' own good management of the relatively modest income available to them by way of company pension, old age pension and other social benefits. They left the inner city flat where they had lived all their lives and bought a new house near the foothills of the Dublin mountains. That move, 18 years ago, gave them a new lease of life which means the standard of life is better now than it was in those days, the earlier years. And, uh, well, we're able to get on very well now. We can, we were able to come out here and buy this house in Temple Oak, which we could never think about years ago. <laughs> and, um, yes, we feel that the standard of living is much better for us. Now I'm speaking personally. They live happily and actively in their new community. Our interest now is we have a senior citizens club here in our locality and we're involved in that. 
and we have a very nice crowd of people in it too, all very happy, glad to say. Um, now, as the years went on, thank God we've enjoyed good health and we live a very full day. I get up at about a quarter past seven in the morning and we go to Mass. That makes our day. And once we've that done, well, we get on with our chores in the house, anything that has to be done. And we keep out as much as we can. Um, Rita does the shopping. And, well, I help with the chores. At now I'm 83 years of age, so there's not a whole lot I can do in that respect. Rita, the younger of the two, is a very active organiser in the Senior Citizens Club. Well, I've been very happy ever since. I was sorry to miss to leave my friends, but I didn't lose them all. Most of them I am in touch with. And they come on different outings that I organise, along with our own senior citizens up here. Well, we travel a fair bit and we keep happy. Everyone seems to join in in anything that I organise and they're asking from one time to another, where's the next outing going? So it keeps me on my feet. Then also, like, I'm happy to be at home for part of the time because we enjoy each other's company and we get together and do the various things in the house. We do all our own housework. We have nobody to help us in that way. We don't require help. But we have our family who come when we need them. During their working years, they had enjoyed the benefits of the company Hostel Fund. And the pensioners can remain on in that fund when they retire. Now, we have many benefits from it for the small subscription that we pay. We can get a donation towards our, if we want dentures, or if we want glasses, or anything like that. Anything really medical or surgical, they help out. Well, also now, from the welfare, if pensioners are ill, there's always somebody to visit them. Sandy is an incredibly fit, alert and active man of 88. He retired in 1966, having worked all his life in banking, for many years as branch manager in the Dublin suburbs. At first I found it not a strain, but... A change, and I had to do a mental, to do a mental change, uh, an attitudinal change, shall we say, uh, towards things that I had thought had been important and suddenly became unimportant. My wife died in uh, 1980 and left me a little bit desolate, but I thought, well, I have to... I have to do something about this. I can't just sit, sit down. And I said, I remembered an old aunt I had who said there was no sense in sitting on the tombstones. My mental attitude was, though, that I had to keep my mind alive. I had to be interested. And I found that with time on my hand, running my house myself, I did have a home help to some extent, but running the house myself, cooking for myself, cleaning for myself, washing for myself, mending for myself, that... Uh, that occupied the morning, and I could listen to whatever was on radio, sometimes serious, sometimes not so serious, and I almost became a, uh, I almost became expert in pop songs, and I thought, oh, God. <laughs> I decided, oh, no, 
And at uh, any rate, I decided I must keep my mind alive. I watch television, as far as possible, serious television. I'm fond of serious music. And I bought what was really an extravagance in a record and uh, record player and that sort of thing. And But that was added greatly to my pleasure. But as regards my attitude to being retired, a lot of my friends died. And I, to our people who are coming up to my age, you realise every time you open the paper, somebody would have gone, some people you'd have liked, some people you wouldn't have liked. Um, I was able to rejoice in my neighbour's children's triumphs. And I felt it was lovely to hear that a child I had known when he or she was a little thing of the chocolate biscuit stage was now doing a really first-class job of work. And uh, so I then started, having time, I started to read the paper properly and I suddenly realised I'd never read a daily paper before. I found all sorts of very interesting things. And I said, sometimes... Uh, things annoyed me so much that my mind was stimulated and I quite enjoyed having words with the editor with nobody to answer back but myself. <laughs> and uh, as time goes on, I find I'm slowing up. I don't want to do a lot of things. I don't want material things very much as long as I'm happily able to cope with... with uh, the necessities of life and not to worry. I can still travel. I travel to Southeast Asia and Australia most Christmases and to Canada during the summer. <laughs> and I find I find that memories keep me going. It's not being sentimental to say that, but I have found I can sit, if I'm not reading, if I'm not watching television or listening to radio and if there's nobody about... I can take a memory and dissect it and find things in it that I never knew were in it before. Pleasurable, sometimes, mostly pleasurable, sometimes annoying, but it's good for one to be annoyed. And uh, I try not to be a tiresome old bore, if it's possible, and uh, I get on with my neighbours. They put up with They're terribly good to me. They put up with me. They put up with my tales, my tales of 1912 and the First War and so forth. One way and another, I have a very happy, contented, and I hope full life. And I don't boast about it by age, in case St. Peter says we learn that fellow. <laughs> and and uh, all I can say to people of my age, or coming up to my age, mind how you go, there's not many of us left. Self-discipline has always been a priority with him. At 88, no less than when he was much younger. I did find when I retired that I was up against entirely new circumstances. I had had a life which was circumscribed by my job, which very often came upstairs with me when I was finished. Uh, and I was, I was expected to conform to an awful lot of things. When I retired, I decided, well, I'm not going to drift into just being being an old fellow t trotting round. And I said, I did, um, I've made myself do dull things like washing up, like washing clothes, like ironing clothes. All those things I made myself do and still make myself do. I hate doing it, but I still do it because I feel that there are standards and if one allows one's standards to go, you'll never climb back to them at my age anyway.
that is no country for old men. The young in one another's arms, birds in the trees, those dying generations at their song. The salmon falls, the mackerel crowded seas, fish, flesh or fowl, commend all summer long whatever is begotten, born and dies. Caught in that sensual music all neglect, monuments of unaging intellect. An aged man is but a paltry thing, a tattered coat upon a stick, unless soul clap its hands and sing, and louder sing for every tatter in its mortal dress. Nor is there singing school but studying monuments of its own magnificence. And therefore I have sailed the seas and come to the holy city of Byzantium. In talking to the participants at a pre-retirement course, Hilary Shannon spells out some of the options available to retired people. But there, are, there are many things you can do when you retire to use the 2,600 hours that you get every year. You could, for example, get another job, whether that be full-time or part-time. Uh, if it's full-time, you give away all the time again and you become uh, someone else's uh, worker. Or indeed, you could become self-employed uh, using a skill that you have uh, had all your life or indeed one that you've developed outside of your normal work uh, and put that into effect for yourself. Uh, another option is actually to go back to school. Now, that may sound very daunting, but in actual fact, many people find great pleasure in going back to learn something new. And then there is the whole area of voluntary work, which may better suit those who do not want the stricter discipline of paid employment. Most of the country in Ireland, most of the organisations in Ireland uh, rely very heavily on volunteers and there is always a shortage of volunteers, people who have time, skill, patience, talents, just like anyone who is retired, to go along and work for a voluntary organisation. Now, in the Retirement Planning Council we feel that many people would like to do voluntary work but just don't know who to contact. So we have set up a volunteer placement service whereby someone who wants to do voluntary work but doesn't know who to contact can come along to us, discuss it with one of our volunteers who will then put them in contact with a voluntary organisation of that person's choice. The pre-retirement courses are particularly good in giving advice and disseminating information on many practical aspects of retirement. Noel O'Sullivan on social insurance. When we consider social welfare payments... Uh, it is worth remembering that everybody at work, everybody in a job, has an insurance contract with the government, whether you're employed or self-employed, and it is a compulsory insurance contract, and it must be treated like any other insurance policy that we might have. It must be kept current at least until you reach the age of 65. Now, we all know that if we let any insurance policy, any other contract, lapse, it dies and it's valueless. And social insurance, or PRSI, as most of us would call it, pay-related social insurance, is exactly the same sort of insurance contract. If we allow it to lapse for a period of 18 months, while all the short-term payments have disappeared, and the value of the pensions may start to come down. Another lecturer on these courses is Dr John Fleetwood, himself retired from general practice, but still hyperactive as writer, broadcaster and lecturer. Well, of course, one of the biggest problems we come up against in the medical field after retirement is depression. And post-retirement depression 
is a very real clinical entity in its own right now. And we're pretty well able to identify the person who is at high risk. Now, first of all, there's the person who hasn't faced the facts of life, who's always said, I'll die with my boots on, keep right on to the end of the road. And it just doesn't work like that. The second person is a person who's been in a very fixed working environment. The typical civil servant, close book of rules, always can kick the problem further along the road, and no matter what decision he or she makes, doesn't stand to gain or lose personally. And the third person is the person who carries this into their private lives. They always play cards with the same people on Wednesday, go to the same church service, the same pub, the same TV channel and everything. Now, it's very hard sometimes for a person to get away from the fixed working day to break the mould there. But even in such silly little ways as coming into town a different way, going to a different pub, maybe even watching a different channel, these sort of things all help to broaden your horizons when you get to the stage of sort of, well, I'm coming up to retirement, what do I do now? And that's where planning comes in. Planning to retire to something, not just from something. Now, if depression does strike, it may not strike within the next few days after your retirement. You have loose ends to tie up. Maybe you've been lucky enough to get a golden handshake. Now you can go out and visit the daughter that you hadn't seen for years in somewhere or other. And it might be six months later, the retirement depression comes on. You feel, what's the point of getting up in the morning? Why would I bother eating? You start waking early in the morning. You start getting pains and aches that you never had before. Now, the treatment there may not be medical at all. The real treatment may be a visit to your bank manager, a visit to your insurance broker, to a voluntary agency who'd love to have you as a Meals on Wheels driver. Sometimes it is necessary to give antidepressive drugs on a very strictly monitored basis. They're only a crutch, and that's what we want them for. But preparation is all important. One man who attended a recent pre-retirement course is John Noel, a lighthouse keeper. He found the course extremely helpful in preparing him for his retirement in six years' time, to which he happily looks forward. I firmly believe that I have worked all my life that come retirement that a person shouldn't, shouldn't actually work in a retirement. You've worked all your life for something to look forward to. I hopefully tend to enjoy it and not to what you call work as such. To a man who has spent all of his working life on lighthouses round our coasts, spending a month on and a month off, the prospect of retirement is very sweet indeed. In my way of life, the month on was probably easier than your month ashore or your month slivered because it's always when you came home, you had so much to do, so much to catching up and, and to try to get into the life that you, were, that you knew you were missing sort of thing. And hopefully in, in retirement that you won't have the problem of starting again every four weeks. Various disciplines within the medical profession have become very involved in the whole area of ageing and retirement. Dr Brian Lawler is an old-age psychiatrist working in St Patrick's Hospital. 
Well, certainly retirement uh, can be a major life event, or what we call a psychiatrist's major life event. That's an, a, a time in life that can be very, very stressful for somebody. Whether or not it um, results in depression or a lot of stress for the individual depends to some extent on how much that person prepares for it. A retirement is something that should be prepared for. Otherwise, uh, it can produce a lot of stress and most often can uh, cause depression. And whether or not retirement produces the so-called retirement crisis or not depends on a number of factors. Uh, one of the most important factors can be the person's uh, personality. Certain individuals are going to uh, adapt better to retirement than others, so that can be a certain, uh, certainly an important factor. Uh, other factors that are important in terms of determining whether somebody adapts well or adapts poorly to retirement uh, would include um, things like um, their pattern of work. If somebody was a workaholic, if they really put an awful lot of time and effort into their work and really didn't diversify their interests to any large extent, when they come upon retirement and they go home from work and close the door forever, as it were, they can be faced with a, a big abyss, a big void in their life, and they really don't know what to do. So the, that type of individual, the workaholic who doesn't diversify his interests, has no interests outside of work and certainly be very prone to developing depression. Brian stresses some other very important factors for people with retirement in the offing. Yeah, one of the big complaints that some people have about their retirement is what do they do with all this time that they have? And really the problem here is that their job used to provide great structure for them. It was the scaffold for their daily activities, their life. And now when they're presented with no job uh, at retirement, they really have a total lack of structure. They really don't know what to do. And again, it, 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 it comes down to time management and the organization of one's time uh, and activities after retirement. And, and here we go again back to the whole idea of diversifying one's interests prior to retirement so that you can have some structure after retirement being involved in other activities other than the work that you used to do for the last 40 years. The issue of choice about when to retire, I think, is, is, very, is, a, is a key point in terms of the uh, psychological well-being and good adjustment to retirement. When you, have, or, or when you feel that you're in control about where, making the decision to retire, I think the likelihood of a good outcome and, and of adapting well to retirement is far greater. However, when you feel that you've been forced to retire earlier, I think the likelihood of a poor outcome and some maladjustment in terms of the retirement is far greater. So I think the question of choice about retiring is very, very important. Professor Davis Coakley is consultant geriatrician in St. James's Hospital, professor of geriatric medicine at Trinity College and director of Mercer's Institute for Research on Ageing. He addresses some of the problems. When people think of old age, they tend to confuse different issues and people develop very negative ideas about retirement, again, because they confuse different, totally different issues. They confuse, for in instance, the uh, ageing, the, the whole phenomena of ageing. They confuse it with ill health and they confuse it with uh, poor social conditions which some elderly people live in, live in, in old age. And it's very important to separate uh, these different issues. For instance, if we look at age changes, certainly as one grows older, there are physiological age changes in, in different parts of the body. 
different organs work a little less efficiently, but by and large it makes little difference. And the problem often arises that people are growing older and they begin to develop problems. And rather than asking, what is wrong with me? They say, well, it's just ageing. Or people living in the family say, well, it's just ageing. He he can't get around as well because he's ageing. And quite often there is a a medical problem or a health problem um, at at, at issue uh, which has not been being recognised because the person is is assuming that, quite wrongly usually, that it is ageing. For instance... If, you know, if a younger person has difficulty in getting up from a chair, uh, they won't, you know, they, they, they'll go to their doctor and they, they will describe this problem and it will be investigated and treated. But if an older person begins to have difficulty, they often say, well, it's just ageing or just arthritis or whatever, uh, and they dismiss it. It's very important uh, as people get older that they do not do that. It's a, it's a, it's a major message uh, for a person in retirement. It is heartening to be reminded of some of the great achievements of old age. Uh, ageing in itself does not cause any, any profound degree of mental deterioration or men- mental uh, impairment. And indeed, there are many examples, uh, even in this country, of, of people who have produced great work in their older, in, in quite advanced years. The, the poet William Butler Yeats would be a very good example of someone who of a poet, indeed, who wrote his best poetry, or some of his best poetry, in quite a, at quite an advanced age. Francis is personnel officer with a long-established major manufacturing company, a company that has always treated its employees well. She charts the changes that have occurred for retirees over the past 30 to 40 years. As a company, we have a large number of pensioners already retired, um, There is a slight difference in the people that retired maybe over 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, to the current uh, recent retirees. Years ago, it was an uncontributory pension, and people didn't have so much money. Uh, Also, they retired much older. Some people were even 80 when they retired. Um, The attitude towards retirement then was very different to now. People worried about it, were afraid of it. Um, They didn't want to leave their friends. They worried about finances. Um, as a company, we try to facilitate them and make ex gratia payments where it was necessary. Um, we always had maintained links with our pensioners insofar as that we had different social functions throughout the year. We have a meeting where they can meet every fortnight. Um, the people years ago had a completely different attitude towards retirement than they have nowadays. The social attitude towards retirement nowadays is completely different too insofar as that nowadays our pensioners that are retiring are retiring on a much higher pension because it's now contributory pension. Um, the facilities outside of the work environment are much better insofar as they have a number of um, free travel, free electricity. They can, they can afford to go on holidays. They don't have to worry about how, who's going to bury them when they die because that was a big worry of our, in Dublin particularly, uh, of pensioners that did they have enough money to bury them. Um, nowadays people are well up on that and we try to arrange uh, courses for them that they find out about all that's available to them from the social welfare point of view, health point of view uh, further education even point of view, hobbies, holidays what's available for them so we organise that 
we have a, the Retirement Planning Council come in and we organise an in-company course for any people due to retire. So they're going out now with the knowledge of what's going to happen to them, what they can do, if they have any money, where they can put it or what they can do with it. Hilary Shannon strikes the right note of pragmatism and optimism. Ideally, I suppose, and this may sound quite funny, people should look at their retirement about 15 years before their actual retirement date because at that stage uh, in their career, they'll know where they're going, they'll know if they're going to make it to the top or not, and if they're not going to make it to the top, and that's the vast majority of people, uh, then they can say, right, I'll give my all to my work, but outside of my work, uh, I start building up a second career for myself because that second career is what will carry them through their retirement it's the activities and the interests and the opportunities that they create there that will make their retirement a wonderful time. Um, I think the, the, if you see retirement as an opportunity to do all the things that you wanted to do but never had the time or the opportunity to do, then retirement will be a gift. If you see it as a loss of work, retirement will be a, a tragedy or can be. I prefer to think of retirement as the best time of my life and I can't wait to go and have some time to go, unfortunately. But the most comforting note of all is struck by the poet Oliver St. John Gogarty. Our friends go with us as we go, down the long path where beauty wends, where all we love foregathers, so why should we fear to join our friends?' 